We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to the LakersNation.com podcast. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane over on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. Got a lot to talk about tonight, including trade talks with the Jazz. Maybe not totally dead and buried. Want to break down what's going on there and what I think might ultimately be happening in that situation. Plus, I'm going, to, I'm going to be taking all your questions and comments coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter. So welcome in to those of you who are joining me live. For those of you who are listening to the podcast version of this over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, appreciate you guys choosing us. Please make sure to do give us that five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. A lot to get into tonight. Like I said, we've got a ton going on here. Uh, that we need to discuss, including the latest news about the Utah Jazz and a deal that just doesn't seem to want to go away, which is actually, I think, music to the ears of Lakers fans. I mean, most fans, and look, I count me in this boat as well, do not want to see the Lakers go into the season with the roster as it stands. I've said it many, many times, this roster, it's screaming for a trade. It does not make any sense the way it's put up, put together right now. And so the roster construction leaves us, well, pretty concerned. So a trade, in theory, should be a good thing if it's the right trade. It's got to be the right trade, though. It's got to be something that helps the Lakers out. So here's where things are at right now. Uh, Tony Jones for The Athletic, who covers the Jazz. So important to note that this is the Jazz side of things here. So what he said is that the Lakers and Jazz are still indeed talking trades. So he's talking about the Jazz. Right now, they have 17 players under contract. Can't do that. By the time the regular season starts, got to be down to 15. Now, the regular season, we're talking about towards the end of October, right? Middle, middle end of October. So you've got plenty of time if you're Utah to trim your roster down. But you've got guys on guaranteed contracts that you probably don't want to just cut, that you don't want to just say, okay, well, we have too many players, so see you later. Remember, they absorbed a lot of players via trade for both Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, you saw teams stack up a lot of players in order to um, average things out in a trade. And so now the Jazz have too many players. So we know they're going to do something. But Tony Jones says that they have to cut at least two players. They have to shed at least two players. And there's a lot of interest in Boyan Bogdanovich. Not a surprise. Not a surprise. And I'll get into why in a minute. But the Jazz, this is the, the important part, but the Jazz at this point don't appear to be particularly close to a trade 
that could land them even more assets and consolidate the roster, although there are ongoing talks with the Los Angeles Lakers. So interesting that, again, from the Jazz perspective, what's out there is that they're not close to a trade right now, but they are still talking with the Lakers. Here we are. We're what? Less than two weeks away from training camp? We're, we're right there. We're right there. It's right around the corner, and they're still talking trade with the Lakers. Joining me right now, Matt the Optimist Peralta. Matt, how are you doing? And does this, I don't want to call it like trade news. This is not a bombshell or anything like that. But does this breathe any life into your, well, let's say optimism, since it is you, that the Lakers will not roll into the season with this current roster? Yeah, you know, you kind of hope so, right? Like, I, I think you were talking about top of the show with the uh, with Tony Jones uh, reporting that uh, the Lakers are still talking with the Jazz on mm. on Boyan Bogdanovich here. So, you know, I think there's a distinct possibility that it happens. Maybe not, you know, before training camp, but I could realistically see maybe like sometime during the preseason if a deal, if talks heat up. But I, I kind of feel like it's almost the same report we've been hearing. Like, it, it sounds like the Jazz are very open to dealing Boyan at this point. I think a mm -hmm. lot of people have even said he is the most likely veteran to get moved from Utah. So I, I hope it's the Lakers, although I, I think it, it's important to note that there are, you know, other teams reported that have been in the mix for him as well. That's what I think is going on here. That That is what I, this is my guess. So I don't want to say this is like sourced information. But that's my guess as to what is happening here. Because if I am the Jazz... I'm trying to do a deal with the Lakers without Boyan Bogdanovich. Sure. Because what is everybody in the NBA looking for right now? Big wings who can shoot. That's what. So it's no shock to me at all that Bogdanovich has a lot of shooters around the league or a lot of suitors around the league. So if I am, if I'm the Jazz and I can do a deal built around Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson and another piece to the Lakers, and I can save Bogdanovich for another trade. If I know, hey, Phoenix is going to send me a first or whoever, Team X is going to send me a first for Bogdanovich, I would try to do something with the Lakers without including him. And then on the flip side, if I'm the Lakers, I want him in the... He's the guy that makes more sense on the Lakers than any other player on the Jazz roster. So I do wonder what kind of a holdup that is because I think once Bogdanovich is moved, the other players on the Jazz, like, is Mike Conley individually going to generate a lot of interest? Is Jordan Clarkson individually? They're fine players, but are you going to get more first-round picks for them? Uh, maybe not. So if you're the Jazz, your best option is probably to try to put together a package of those guys and get a first or so out of the Lakers and then get a first elsewhere for Bogdanovich. Yeah, you know, the way I look at this, though, is I feel like, because there's so much interest in Boyan, I feel like if there was a first on the table or a good first round pick, and I should clarify, like a good first round pick being like, you know, limited protections and maybe closer to, you know, the season, uh, I feel like the Jazz would pull that deal. So that kind of tells me the value of the first round picks that the Lakers have to trade, right? Like 2027 and 2029, I know a lot of people are cracking jokes about those being like eighth graders right now, but the reality is, is that the Lakers projecting forward are probably not very good post LeBron James and possibly Anthony Davis. So I, I think that the Lakers have a little bit of, you know, some bargaining power there because I think they know that their first have the most weight in the, in the trade market right now. But um, I think that's the optimistic way of looking at it, right? Like if the Lakers end up offering one of those picks, I think they could have boy on whenever. So why is this not done then? Let, let's, let's go down that, that rabbit hole. Why is this not done? Yeah, you know, I, I think one thing to look at here is I know the Jazz are over the roster limit at 17, but they don't need to trim that down today, 
they they have some time to do that and so they they can weigh offers all the way up until you know the season starts basically then the second thing i'm thinking about is that you know it doesn't have to be boy on that that gets moved they could look to move other players in deals to to get down to that roster limit right so Maybe the Jazz are operating on a timeline of, well, we know we're going to trade Boyan at some point because he's expiring, he doesn't fit our timeline, et cetera. But, you know, the, the price for, for someone like him at the trade deadline could be a lot higher than it is now, right? I, I think that's something to consider. Like, you know, a team that is maybe a little lighter on shooting and some size can talk themselves into overpaying for him then. Yeah. So, you know, if I'm Danny Ainge and the Jazz, I, I might be willing to to wait a little bit and just try to move around some other pieces to hit that roster 15, that, that 15 man roster limit. If you have, yeah, if you have interest in those other guys. Right. right? And that's that's the challenge too for the job. I look at the roster and I don't see many guys where I'm where I can just say, well, they can just tell this guy to go away. Sure. Right? They can just cut this player. I don't see them like they're gonna want to get value for these guys. Um, but I'll tell you the other piece to this, and this is again trying to put on my Utah jazz hat for a moment here. Um, if I'm Utah. The closer I, the way my read of the situation would be, the closer I get to training camp, the more pressure gets on the Lakers to do something, right? Yeah. To, to make a move and not have to deal with Russell Westbrook being on the team. And is that awkward? And is it going to work? And how much pressure is that putting on Darvin Ham? And all these other question marks, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm Utah and I, if I'm any other team around the NBA, I'm at least finding out, hey, if we wait till a week before training camp starts, Will the Lakers suddenly call us back and say, okay, we'll toss in whatever? That's that, that I wonder how much of that is at, at play here. If that's a, a factor here, if teams believe that the Lakers will ultimately blink in order to get a deal done. I mean, that makes sense. Like, I mean, back to your earlier question about why this hasn't happened yet. Like, there's there's not as much of a rush on the Utah side of things here. Like, they, they can play this out a little bit longer than the Lakers can. And, manufacturing everyone's favorite word of the offseason leverage right um <laughs> it's been it's been the summer of leverage it's the summer i i think i've got to mute the words or the like I, on twitter you know how you can mute like terms like so you don't uh-huh. see those tweets like leverage 2027 and 2029 frp for first round pick like i i, I just <laughs> <laughs> sorry I'm... like like you know our buddy at uh, bleacher report eric pinkus uh he's got He's got some terms that I'm sure are are muted, um, <laughs> like hard cap. I'd imagine uh, is probably probably muted. <laughs> I, I'd imagine so. Yeah, you'd have to you'd, for Eric especially. What a saint having yeah. to answer that question over and over again. But sorry, going back to the to to the to the Utah side of things. Yeah, I just feel like they're going to play this out as long as they can. The onus is on the Lakers. Like they they're the ones that need to to upgrade the roster. They're clearly not a contender right now. So if I'm Utah, of course I'm going to just sit here and wait until the offer uh, gets better. I got another one. Again, this off topic. You know what I need to mute? Mm. Who says no? <laughs> that phrase. That that is the one I need to mute every day. God. Yeah. Get, who says no? <laughs> <laughs> yeah because <laughs> it's and it followed by a screenshot of their espn yes. trade machine deal right yep. yeah yep. <laughs> every That's iteration it. of the every utah player and russ i've seen I, i've seen five team deals that have the pacers the jazz the lakers somehow like the magic get in the mix or something like just all kinds of that's been that's that's been my summer yeah the the knicks for sure um let me ask you this because i was talking about this earlier today um with uh with dan the laker fan we jumped over on his show for a little bit today but i said that there was nothing 
on the Jazz that within reason, obviously, nothing that the Jazz would be sending the Lakers that would make me feel comfortable with giving both first. Sure. Do you yeah. do you agree with that? Yeah, I'd say so. I, I think that there are better deals. Uh, I Sorry, I, I, there's better combinations or better permutations of any Jazz deal, right? Like, but for me, like just value-wise, like if I'm giving up both first, like I want to feel confident that I'm, I'm I can compete for a championship. I, I think any deal you do with the Jazz upgrades the roster and you get better. But like I think it's like pretty marginal to be honest with you. So in from that perspective, right, like it, it doesn't make sense to me to do that. Um, like you can even throw in everyone's favorite players that you want in a deal, right? Like I think a lot of people are really in on Boyan. I think yep. people like you know Jordan Clarkson and a lot of people like Jared Vanderbilt. If you told me I can get those three guys, but it's still going to cost me two first, I'm still probably saying no personally. Yeah. And I, I I like Malik Beasley. And Malik he, Beasley, yeah, he's an interesting one, one as well. But um, okay, let me let me ask you this then. So let's say that you can give up one first, okay. and you can get. We just kind of doing some cap math in my head here. You know, the Jazz, they're almost, they triggered a hard cap. They're almost at that hard cap, right? So yeah. the Jazz, they can't really, or I'm sorry, they're almost into the tax and they're not going to want to, they're not going to want to be into the tax for this team. Yep. So when any kind of a deal between the Jazz and the Lakers, you can't have the Jazz absorbing like an extra $10 million in salary. They don't, right. they, don't they can't, can't do that. So when I'm doing the math here, I'm figuring out, okay, how close to, 47 million or more can I get? Because that's what Russ would make. Right. Uh, but let's say Mike Conley. That's right. Let's say Malik Beasley. What does that Mike put you at? Like 35? Yeah, that would put you at about 37, 38. Right oh, Conley makes more than I thought he did. Okay. Conley's 22.6. That's right. So let's okay. say it's Conley and Beasley uh, and Clarkson. You would actually be giving the Jazz a little bit of salary relief there. The Jazz hold firm. We're going to move Bogdanovich in another deal. Okay. Let's say you do that. So you get Beasley, you get Clarkson, you get Conley. Those are three guards. Not exactly what the Lakers need or anything like that. But you only have to give up one first in order to do it. First question is, do you do that? Probably, yeah. Okay. Next question is, what do you have as the Lakers ceiling in terms of their standing in the Western Conference right now? What would it be after that trade? Six and six. So why are you? Why do you give up a first? I mean, I, I just think that you know. Oh, okay. Let me let me let me back up. I think it's probably like six and five. If I'm okay. being super honest. Um, why am I giving up a first? I think it's just the, removing the Russell Westbrook experience. I think a lot of people are right. are okay giving up a first if it means not having to watch, watch Russell again. And again, this is not my personal opinion. I, I, I think it's fine rolling into the season and just preserving your assets. Like if you're not going to compete anyway, like I, I it's, I think you can endure another year of Russ, but I, I totally would understand if you're the fan and your the mindset is get rid of him at all costs. That's fine. I totally yeah, understand. I do want, like, I wonder if the Lakers understand from an organizational perspective how much trouble they're in with fans. I would right. have to imagine, so, uh, most of the time I think, yeah, they do. They've got a pulse on things. But there's other times where they do stuff or they say things that it comes across fairly tone deaf. I've seen a lot of fans saying that they are they would consider not watching this season or that they don't want to watch. Now, obviously, when the games are actually on and if the nah, team is doing yeah. well, that's going to change, right? There were people who said they they hate LeBron James when that trade went down. And then as soon as LeBron started scoring baskets for the Lakers, suddenly they they warmed up to him, right? I mean, that 
so that's I'm sure that's a factor here as well. But I do wonder if things don't go well, how willing are the Lakers to endure another season with the relationship between Russell Westbrook and Lakers fans? Like if that continues to be as sour as it was last season, that could be dangerous times for for the Lakers in terms of public perception. Oh, hundred percent. I I think it matters incredibly. Like I, I, you know, Jeannie Buss is, uh, you know, probably one of the more fan friendly owners in the league. And sure. she obviously cares about the fan base and what people are saying about the team. Um, you can't imagine like, you know, like there are so many viral videos of her leaving games <laughs> last season. Like if your own owner or control it wasn't or, fair, though, I, I know. I'm just saying, like, as a controlling governor, right? Like if sure. if if you can't even watch your own team on the floor because you're losing so badly or you're playing so poorly, like, how do you think your fans feel? <laughs> I, but I buy into it that it wasn't because they're playing, but I think that's just what she does in terms of like leaving in the third quarter or whatever. I think that's what she's always done. I could, I could be wrong. I would have to go back and watch like games from when they were winning and stuff like that. But that's, that was the explanation was like, that's nothing new. That's what she's always done. And you know, nothing's changed there. It's just, people are noticing now. I kind of, and I kind of buy that. I mean, that's fine. I think if, you, but I mean, she, but she's sitting there, so she's still watching the game. Sure. She's seeing how bad they're playing. She's around fans who that's are probably right. yes, who yes. are also not. She's happy. hearing all that, and yeah, right. So I, I think it matters a lot. And if the Lakers get off to a rocky start, which I, I think is kind of fair that you and I are both projecting it to be a little rocky to mm-hmm. to to get off the to season here. It's a lot. It's a lot of uh. It's a lot of like reflecting you're gonna have to do and and making some tough decisions and just having to to eat a bad deal. I feel like like to overpay to get rid of Russ or whatever other pieces you need to get rid of if it's not working out right. Um, and I you know the other thing here too is Rob Palinka's job <laughs> security. That's a good. Uh, that's an angle that I, that I haven't looked at it from yet. At least not recently. What do? How does that factor into all of this? I mean, like, look, if the fan experience is already like starting off on a on the wrong foot and, and they get off to a rocky start and fans are blaming Russell Westbrook, fair or not, let me just preface by saying fair or not, Rob's going to be kind of pigeonholed into making a move and look at the Lakers roster. You can't move a lot of guys. If you want to upgrade this roster meaningfully, he has to go. Yeah. Yep. What? How much better do you think the experience is if it's, if you do some type of a trade with the Jazz, like let, let's say they get Boyan, you get Boyan Bogdanovich, but let's say it's Boyan and and Conley, you get those two guys. How much better is the fan experience this season? I mean, even, have- even if they're not meaningfully better than the standing, let's say they're they're a five or six seed. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I, it's probably better to a certain degree. Um, and so we're 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 still projecting the Lakers are still struggling here struggling relative to what's expected by Lakers fans. I'm talking your middle of the pack Western conference. You're on that line between a play in and a playoff team. Yeah. You know, like I I think the fan experience gets off to a better start just because I I think, you know, and I'm saying this for Russell Westbrook too. Like I think, you know, a divorce is just is, is beneficial for both sides here. Like his reputation has been tarnished. A lot of people are remembering him poorly now, which is also all I, I, I personally think is unfair. And then for the Lakers perspective, like they are not good on the floor, at least, you know, right now we're projecting them not to be. So I think, you know, off the bat, once once that bandaid gets ripped off, the fan experience will be better. But then, you know, knowing Lakers fans, if the Lakers are losing, it's just going to be the same conversations over again. And we'll be True. scapegoating 
whoever we need to, <laughs> to, oh. to to make sense of everything. So, you know, it, it's 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 temporary relief. But if the Lakers start to lose again or they're struggling a lot, then it's just kind of going to be the same kind of conversations we're having. I'm going to say I actually disagree on it being better for Russell Westbrook with a divorce. Oh, interesting. And I, okay. and I think I think because I I agree with what his agent was saying when they split. Sure. With the explanation being that, look, if you get like if the Jazz trade for Russell Westbrook, the Jazz, they're not even going to print up a Russell Westbrook jersey. They're they're going to waive him. Right. They're going to buy him out. I know Ramona was talking the other day about how Russ isn't going to take a buyout. And maybe that's a complicating factor in any kind of a trade, certainly. But they're not going to have him step on the floor. If anything, Russ is going to wind up a free agent because the team's going to either buy him out or just outright waive him. And then it could be a very sober reality where he's sitting in free agency and he has to sign somewhere for a veteran minimum. And he probably doesn't see himself as a buyout player. He sees himself as an MVP. And then he's got to go take a minimum somewhere from a team that what, maybe they use him off the bench. Like who knows where he would land. I don't know that being somewhere else, despite the relationship with the fans is better than just buckling down, doing everything Darvin Ham tells you to do and just hoping that you win and therefore winning cures everything. That's fair. I, I just, you know, I think that's the pessimism talking from my end about him actually fair. doing those things, though. Oh, <laughs> agreed. yeah, yeah. Hey, I, I've said a bunch of times. I'm skeptical. I'm just thinking from Russ's perspective, like once he accepts a veteran minimum, once he gets bought out, like is anybody looking, and I know he didn't have a ton of success, but is anybody looking at giving Blake Griffin more than a veteran minimum? No. LaMarcus Aldridge more than a veteran minimum? No. I think what I believe Jeff Green was one of the few guys who got a veteran minimum and then worked his way back up That in terms of the guys who are older. Like we saw Malik sure. Monk take yeah. a minimum and then work his way back up. But as far as the older guys, once they take that minimum, it's it, it it's this has this diminishing val- quality to your, your value around the NBA. And so I wonder how much of that is going to factor into Russ. And maybe that's a factor in terms of why Russ is trying to play nice with Patrick Beverly and tell Darvin Ham he's going to do all the the right things and showing up to the press conferences and, and doing all that kind of stuff, getting in, getting in a little bit of extra credit. Yeah. You know, I'll say this, like, I think that's kind of like bare minimum stuff on Russ's end that he can do, but I mean, it's definitely the steps in the right direction. So I'm, I'm cool with that. It's just, I think like you, I'm, as optimistic as I'd like to be or, or want to be, like I, I honestly just have a really hard time imagining Russ settling into like a role player kind of deal with this team. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed. Um, and that's why I said, you know, maybe it's just, you know, cut like rip the bandaid off and just get the buyout or trade over with because yeah. like, 
if if you're not if you can't you know put your faith in him to do the things that we're asking him to do then you know that's just kind of the path you need to head toward and accept true yeah and that may ultimately be where we where we arrive i i do think that it it breathes a little bit of hope that the jazz trade is not totally dead because i do think it'll be a more enjoyable season if they make a move just just just, just for housekeeping purposes so you think indiana's completely dead I don't know. I I've said it a bunch of times. Like it takes one phone call to change this. Sure. Right. Like what if the Lakers call it? If the Lakers call Indiana and say, you know what, give us a fifth center, whatever. We'll take Daniel Tice. Right. Right. Like I mean, there's there's things that could be done. I think if the if the pressure starts to get to them, where it could happen. So I I feel like that is closer to being dead than anything else. But again, one phone call could revive just about anything. It just, it's felt like the Lakers have been, and maybe they've been putting this out there for a reason, but it feels like just the general sense has been that the Lakers have just said, you know what, we're just going to roll with what we've got because nothing else out here is making sense right now. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. And you know, the funny thing too, is I think it wasn't even Tice that was a deal breaker. I think it's really that second first round pick. Uh, yeah, agreed. Yeah. Like or maybe, maybe Indiana really, really wanted THT. Sure, that too. Like, look, I sorry, I don't want to litigate the, the Indiana trade too much, but sure. Daniel Tice cannot be the deal breaker for you getting two guys that you could use right now. So, right. yeah, no, 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 I, I would agree with that. I'd agree with that. Uh, let's get into some super chats here. Uh, V8 track said, Did Westbrook sell his LA house? Did he buy a new U Utah house? So, I think it would mean a lot more if he bought a house in Utah than yes. selling a house in LA, right? Yes, didn't, didn't. Well, I mean, wasn't um, I, this is just so peak off-season content when we're tracking, you know, houses on sale. <laughs> like, remember when people were freaking out over that fake Kyrie tweet about him buying a mansion in Los Angeles? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, yep. I know yep. it was like it was fake, and it was, and like you know, like that was obviously like a lot of hoopla for nothing. But uh, just because guys sell houses doesn't mean anything. Like, and I think the joke immediately was he's just buying a bigger, bigger Los Angeles yeah. house. Right. Right. <laughs> He's got 47 million extra dollars now that he can go and, and spend. Um, somebody actually did the research on And look, I have not verified this. So shame on me for not doing the legwork here. But I, I saw this conversation going on that the house that Russell Westbrook is in has gone up in value since he purchased it, which was in 2018. Again, this is not my reporting here or anything, but has gone up in value by about $10 million. That makes, I would that, sell too, shoot. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a plenty of incentive to sell. And I think, I don't think him selling a home in LA is any, like, remember it was a few years ago, Anthony Davis sold a home in LA yeah, and everybody was like, oh, what does this mean? And he, and it was like nothing. Cause he's got another one. Like it, it was players selling a house. Doesn't mean they are moving or they're being traded or anything like that. Nor should you sell a house before a trade is actually done, especially in this league. I mean, that's like, it's like Michael Scott putting his condo up on, on eBay and, and selling it before, uh, before he even got the job at corporate. You, why would he sell the house now if a trade isn't even done? Oh man, what a great episode, but yeah, it, it, it doesn't make sense for him to do that. So I, I just think that that's him capitalizing on the, on the housing market right now yeah. in Southern California. Like I, I, and like, look for, for people as wealthy as Russell Westbrook, they've got multiple properties. Like I, I, I don't know what like all his holdings and stuff look like, but I'm sure he's got other you know properties in LA. So selling one means almost nothing to me. Right. Yeah. I don't think it, I don't think it matters. Uh, all right. Jarrett says Vanderbilt Beasley 
uh, Bogdanovich for Russell Westbrook, a first and a second. Problem solved. Great. Let's get Utah to say yes to that. Oh, yeah. If Utah would, I would do that in a heartbeat. Same. If Utah would say yes to that. Yeah, you can even unprotect that first. I'll do it tomorrow. Are those the three top assets from Utah? Yeah, it's it's really your it's really how you feel about Jordan Clarkson. That's probably the hang up. But I I personally think that's those are the three best players you can get for them post that Patrick Beverly trade. I, I will say this because Vanderbilt only makes what is it four, four and a half million something yeah. like that. Yeah, four point three million. That's not enough salary. Um, that you've got in the mix there. The, the Jazz yeah. would be absorbing too much salary there, in order to because again they only have about two million dollars in space before they, they start getting into the luxury tax and nobody wants to pay the luxury tax on a tanking team that's built to lose. Yeah. So you probably have to sub Vanderbilt for Conley. Yep. Yeah. And, okay. So if it's Vanderbilt for Conley in that deal, are you still doing it? Yes, I think so. Yeah. I agree. And here's, you know what? Like I don't like Conley's contract, but I don't think he's dead. I don't think he's done as a player. I don't, I don't think, he's, think he's, I don't he's unmovable next no, year. I don't, He's what 14 billion guaranteed. I don't think he's totally washed. Like I, I dug into either. his defensive metrics. He was pretty good last season. There's been, I've seen a number of different jazz folks who have been saying Conley got burned out in the regular season and then come playoff time. He was just on fumes and that's why he looks so bad in the playoffs. And it kind of makes sense. I mean, 35 year old, you know, the clock is ticking. I'm not expecting him to get better, but his playoffs I don't think that truly represented where he's at as a as a player. I think the regular season, I'm not going to just dismiss what he did during the regular season, shooting 40% from deep and playing actually pretty good defense, especially for his age. So I don't think the contract is one thing. The player, I think, would actually fit pretty well on these Lakers. I Yeah, I'm, I'm totally fine taking on Conley. I, I understand the concerns with the contract, but to yeah. me, it's always cost. Like. Yeah. If if it only cost me one unprotected first and a second in this scenario, then yeah, I would do it. Like the reason why I'm against the Conley deal is giving up two firsts for it. Like to me, that makes no sense. One with all the other stuff that's coming with him, sure, I can I can stomach that. You have to if you're the Jazz and you put Conley in the deal, you have to lower your asking price, right? He has negative hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, like what's what's the what's the market like in the NBA, right? Market will dictate you know, what you have to give up to get guys. What is Mike Conley's market right now? It's not a first. No. What's the market for a point guard, period? It's not uh, very high to begin with. No. What An aging one, an undersized guard with a bad contract? If he had 4 million guaranteed instead of 14... He'd be way more uh, valuable. Teams, yeah. teams would want him, but it's the 14 million guaranteed that it, that's a problem. Uh, Mario Hernandez, with so many picks being traded to a single team, Jazz and OKC... Do you think in the next CBA that will limit how many picks a team can have? Mm, no. No. Why? Uh, maybe <laughs> you're asking the wrong people here, by the way, because <laughs> Matt and I basically control the entire future of every draft in our dynasty league. So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I believe I'm up to six. Matt, 2023 first round picks at this point. In a I, I have considered selling some things. I was already in some yeah. discussions on trades. But yeah, I <laughs> you're talking to the wrong guy when it comes to picks. <laughs> I, I will hoard those things like candy. Um, no, I, I can't imagine that the first round pick thing is is an issue. Like, let's like no matter how many first round picks a team has, like they can't draft all these guys and keep them on their roster. Right. Like they're gonna trade them or turn them into something else. 
So I, I can't imagine it ever becomes an issue where it's like the Oklahoma City Thunder suddenly have 30 first round picks. Like it's, you know, hypothetically speaking, right? Like the NBA is going to look at that and go, all right, like you can't keep all these guys. So uh, it, it, it's not really an issue. In general, I think let teams build how they want to build. Yeah. Right? In exactly. general, I understand like the step in rule got put in place because the NBA was worried. Oh my God, this guy is, is nuts. He's going to trade. He's going to trade picks for the next decade. And then he's going to bail and we're going to have to try to sell this team mm-hmm. with no picks for the next 10 years or so. And that's why the stepping rule came into play. They actually, they took away, it was the, he ran the Cavs. They took away his ability to make trades for a little while. The NBA took away his car keys, said you're yep. not allowed to make trades anymore. It all has to. And then even once they gave it back, all of his trades had to go through the NBA first. Like, yeah, that's that's where they were they were at. Um, so I understood like the step in rule being put in place, but in general, I don't like restricting trades between NBA teams. I wish there was even more leeway in terms of ma- having to make contracts match so much. If a team wants to absorb yeah. a little bit of extra salary and pay the luxury tax, you, you should be okay with doing that. But but that's a, a topic for another day. I don't think they're going to limit how many picks the team has. Um, I think there's an interesting study that could be done on the value of picks and why we're now seeing five picks unprotected, you know, whatever, five picks, a bunch of pick swaps, all kinds of stuff going for a star player. Whereas a decade ago, it would be one pick, maybe two. Yeah. Right. Like that's, that's been an interesting shift. And so maybe that's something to dive into at, at some point, but in terms of the league trying to legislate out teams hoarding too many draft picks, I don't see a reason to, to do that. No, it's it's currency like those those picks will turn into stars. And I think the NBA wants all their marquee or all their you know franchises to have at least one star in their team. So I I think it's totally fine. Oh, no. Because I said I was going to eliminate the phrase who says no. He said he's going to start start asking who says yes. That's a better question, honestly. Yeah. It is. Some of those deals you see come across like, you know, things you get tagged in or just you're scrolling through your timeline. You go like, who's saying yes to that? Right. Sometimes it's a better question. True. Oh, no. Nick T, can we Jimmy Hoffa, Russell Westbrook? Oh, come on. You got to go watch the Irishman again. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, it's not what you're going to do with Russ. Uh, Reginald Thomas. Danny Ainge is a Boston Celtic at heart. That's right. It's an icy, cold heart. Uh, he will not do us any favors. He fleeced us for our best wing, Stanley Johnson. And if we do the Russ, if we do trade Russ, then THT was a big mistake. So that's interesting. So he's saying, why, if you trade Russ, why would, why would you have just kept THT and known that he would be a lot more useful on a team that doesn't have Russell Westbrook? Right. Which is true. I still don't, you know, Patrick Beverly, that's fine. I think it's funny that so many, like the Jazz, I watched like Jazz fans talking. It's almost like they don't even count Stanley Johnson on the team. And they're talking about THT. And Lakers fans are more upset about losing Stanley Johnson than THT. I mean, I think it's just, it was counterintuitive to what fans had been asking for. We need more young athletic wings, but let's trade one of them for nothing. Uh, and I shouldn't say nothing. I, I just mean like let's let's not feasibly replace him with someone who looks similar to him or plays similarly. But I really think the Jazz saw that game where Stanley Johnson in the fourth quarter just decimated Gobert. That was I mean that was one of the few fun Lakers games of the season. 
And the Jazz had that in their minds. And they said, well, if you need an extra salary and we need it to be Stanley Johnson. Yeah, that's like one of those like, you know, you're, you're, you're trading like fantasy football things and you're like, how about like a like an extra third round pick for, for this yeah. player? It's, it's one of those like throw in dart throws. If it works out, great. If it doesn't, no harm, no foul. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay Renrick said, Utah got a first for Royce O'Neal. They probably want two firsts. Who's who's more value, Boyan Bogdanovich or Royce O'Neal? I feel like it. I, the the cop out answer is I think it depends on roster construction. But if I had to just give you an answer, I think Royce is probably more useful in playoff situations. And that, but I think if you asked most fans, they would say Bogdanovich because he scores more. Well, he scores more. He's lighting it up in Eurobasket right now, so his name's still like in the in the news cycle a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't blame fans for thinking like that. And you can make a credible argument. He is more valuable. I'm just, you know, if I'm the Lakers, what do I need really more of here? Yeah, that, that's just it. Like, I, I'm saying that O'Neal has more value than his name would suggest because we tend to spotlight players who score a lot. And I like Bogdanovich a lot. I think he'd be a fantastic fit. I'm just saying O'Neal is close. It, it's not a one draft pick difference between O'Neal and Bogdanovich in terms of value. Oh, 100%. Yeah, like consider the age and and you know the defensive liabilities that come with boyan like yeah i I don't think there's much i if you told me they both went for a first that would make sense to me Mm -hmm. like one singular first right mamba mentality is the indie deal worth two firsts i'd say so i mean at this point i've been saying no for a lot of the summer but i think i've i've spent so much time now watching miles turner slide defensively on the perimeter same and I just have these visions in my head of what that would look like with Anthony Davis and Miles Turner containing drives on the perimeter and just limbs everywhere. Like it could be, it could be absolutely devastating on the defensive end of the floor. So I know there's all those injury question marks, but I think probably yes. I, and you know, I, I think we keep looking at it as like value and get your bingo cards out. Everyone. We keep looking at value in a vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's really what market dictates right and so if it really does cost a first for us to offload him you're getting two rotation guys back i mean you can kind of see why indiana would be so hard on yeah we need at least two first i'm not even saying unprotected first like if you just gave us like two like you know lower level or lower prior or lower protected first like i i'd probably end up doing that deal uh buddy heel he would thinking about his career if he were to join this lakers team Mm -hmm. he would see he would be more open than at any point in his career correct i'd have to imagine so yes i'd be curious to see what he could do as well there give give that dude 10 attempts a game oh yeah yep yeah and he can get there uh mario hernandez as of now oh who gets the off-season master you know i was just thinking about making a great question like new drops for the master lock of the night the next man up award, all that kind of stuff. But who gets the master lock of the off season? Mm, I feel like you've got, well, this doesn't have to be Lakers related, right? I think it could be just NBA in general. Robert Sarver. Okay. That's a good one. Good one. Yeah. That, that maybe is the low hanging fruit there. Sorry. I yeah. know, but it's so topical. No, it's, it is topical. Yeah. That, that makes sense. That, yeah, that I think is a must. Transaction wise? Oh, transaction wise, sure. We can talk about that. Um is it Kevin Durant? 
No, you know where I was going? I was going with um I'm blanking on his name, but the new Timberwolves GM. Oh, uh Tim Connolly. Yes. Because he gave up so much to get Gobert. Yeah, mess up the market. I can't blame Kevin Durant for requesting a trade. He would have been traded had that asked. Who was it that somebody negotiated that deal though for the Wolves? Anyway, so well, I, I would I would say the Wolves are definitely up there for me. Sure. Um, Robert Sarver, I think, is is the unanimous choice for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know is also kind of topical. I don't know if you've talked about it yet, but LeBron commenting on the whole situation too, and Chris Paul. I did see that LeBron, Chris Paul. Um, I think a number of players are going to speak out about it, and um, it makes sense. It's it's going to be a thing, and yeah, you know. It's the NBA have their ruling and stuff. And clearly there's a lot of players, a lot of people who don't think it was harsh enough um, based on the, on the findings. And so the the players are going to have something to say there. Yeah. Maybe a topic for another time, but you know, long story short, if you haven't read it yet, like whoever's listening or watching, I would, I would recommend like just reading up on that whole investigation and and making your own conclusions. But um, yeah, you know, I I think it'd have to be that. I know some people are really eager to say Rob because he didn't get anything else done other than Patrick Beverly and the free agent signings. But, you know, that one's kind of TBD for me. We'll see how this team plays out. Yeah, I mean, the Lakers have been trying to undo damage from the season before. Yep. So if you're going to get a master lock, it's probably for the previous summer. Mm -hmm. Kevin Durant shut down the entire NBA, essentially, for six weeks or whatever. So... I'm gonna go with that, but but is is that is that is that on Kevin Durant though? Because I mean, yeah, I mean, you could say it's also on Sean Marks. It's on the Nets. I mean, what we're hearing now is that the Nets didn't truly try to trade him. They just tried to make it. They they went through the motions so that Kevin Durant would see them trying trying in air quotes to trade him, um, and then they could go back to him and go, "Well, we tried, couldn't find anything. Sorry, Kev, you're gonna have to stick around." So. You know, maybe we could put it on the nets too, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I get it though. Like Kevin Durant could have just been quiet about his trade request, and then you know, we don't have that that uh <laughs> that injunction basically. But yeah. Uh all right, Winston says with a super chat, thank you. Said feels like the Lakers leverage can only go up when the season starts. Every team thinks they can win when they haven't played any games. Should we root for the Nets to lose so Kyrie comes on the market again? Do you think the Nets would trade Kyrie midseason? That's so funny. I was uh, just on the Fear LA podcast with our good friend Mark Gonzalez, actually. Uh-huh. And that was one of the topics that came up was, you know, they brought up a good point that I hadn't considered this, is that, you know, we could be heading for a pretty crazy trade deadline. Um, True. You know, Russell Westbrook's still on the roster with the Lakers. Like, do they make a move there? Does Brooklyn just implode and they're not as good as they think they are? And now they're listening to offers for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving again. Yeah, that's something that's interesting. Do we get another disgruntled star we haven't talked about? Well, that's that's the other thing, right? When we look at Russell Westbrook trades, we have to remember that there's going to be there is opportunity cost to this, and that opportunity cost would be whatever they could have found sometime before the trade deadline. The Lakers could actually be very well positioned should someone else become disgruntled between now and then. That that let's say there's somebody with four years under contract. I don't have a specific player in mind. But Kevin four Durant. years under contract, and they're upset. Mm-hmm. And the Lakers have this $47 million expiring contract. Hey, Team X, you want cap space for next year? Let's swap these two guys. We can throw in a couple of picks. 
and off you go. You get the fresh start that you want. We get the player that we want. Now, the gamble there, of course, is that we don't know who that player would be or if that's even going to happen, right? But that is losing out on potentially that situation is the opportunity cost of doing a Russell Westbrook trade right now. You know, it's funny. Um, the player that comes to mind or players, maybe depending on how you look at it, I, I feel like Chicago would kind of fall in that uh, category. With who? DeMar? Yeah, just, I mean, like project project the Eastern Conference for a sec. Where do you, where do you have the Bulls finishing? somewhere in like the six seven are, are you range, happy something you like just, that and you just paid zach levine a bunch of money right and they could be look they were really good to start last season then they got hammered by injuries so i wouldn't put it past them but if they do start slow and they continue to struggle sure i could see it i mean like look you've got celtics you've got you've got the bucks you've got philadelphia Miami's Cleveland's always been better. Around. Cleveland's a lot better. That's five. You know, Toronto. The Nets will have KD and Kyrie. Yeah, yeah. So I, I and like look at Demar and like the, you just said talking about um writing past wrongs. That would be interesting. I'm sorry. Uh, like, could, could you imagine if the Lakers went and traded for Demar Derozan, traded Russ for Derozan? I, I think the Lakers fan base would be very open to that. It would be there would be just dripping in irony. So, I mean, how ironic was it that the Lakers midseason last year were calling up the Kings asking about a Russ for Buddy Heald deal? <laughs> right. Like, 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 look, do I think DeMar's perfect and he would solve all the Lakers' issues? No, but we're talking about disgruntled stars at the deadline on teams that are not going to win a title anytime soon. Like, right. There, are, there mean, aren't a lot of names. Like, who, who else falls in that category? Like, they're not going to get Bradley Beal. <laughs> no, no, it would have, it would have to be. A player who's not a 1A star, probably not even like a second tier guy. It'd have to be like kind of, this is an ideal third player on a team somewhere. Uh, DeMar DeRozan obviously would be, would fit that category. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. I, and I just threw that out there. Like, if, if No, it's an interesting one. If you're one of those fans that thinks we can get some kind of star-ish player at the deadline, that's that's kind of the caliber of player looking at. As far as should the Lakers, should Lakers fans root for the Nets to lose? Yes. I think so, because that only, even if Kyrie doesn't get moved this season again on an expiring contract, maybe the Nets are then given some incentive to move him before the trade deadline here. That's possible. But even if they don't, he's a free agent in the summer. And if the Lakers stick it out, you want to have as much cap room as you can to potentially go chase him. You still can't get to his max salary. That's right. If, if the Nets are bad, maybe Kyrie says, you know what? I will sacrifice $12 million, whatever it would be, to go join the Lakers. Yeah, that's, I mean, like, no, like, look, I have nothing against the Nets. So, like, I don't like to say I'm actively rooting for sure, a team to lose. Right. <laughs> but, you know, if, if they do struggle and, and they find themselves in kind of the same spot as the Lakers, then, yeah, that, that only helps them out more, if anything. And maybe it turns into nothing, but it, it definitely increases your odds, I'd like to think. Yeah, agreed. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. 
Agreed. Uh, Senpai NFT said, are the Lakers even a top eight with Russ? Nuggets, Mavs, Clips, Suns, Dubs, Warriors, uh, Grizz, Wolves, and Pelicans. Also, no to Schroeder with Russ. No playing time for him wasting a roster spot. So the only two on that list that I can say maybe the Lakers can get ahead of it would be the Wolves and the Pelicans. Right. Um, you've, got, they, you've still got, what, six teams ahead of them? That's a lot. Uh, well, the Grizzlies know Jaron Jackson Jr., although they showed last season they can be very resilient even when they're missing players. Yep. So, yeah, look, uh, you can make the argument that they're not. I think they they're in that mix somewhere. I think, potentially, depending on health. Well, that's why we've been saying, right, like, you know, top end or more optimistic views, you know, succeed. What if they got, or... what if they got Buddy Heald and Miles Turner? What's the top end then? Ooh. Um, I'm assuming that deal happens before the season starts. Yes. Yeah. Let's say it happens tomorrow. Let's say five, maybe even four is, is, is doable. So it's a more significant move up. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm not saying, you know, home court advantage in the playoffs, but I think they definitely avoid the play-in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you, you get You get Boyan and Beasley, you're probably, like, looking at seven. In that scenario, he says no to Schroeder with Russ. If Russ goes and no point guard comes back, I'm okay with picking up Schroeder. Yeah, that's a dart throw for me. I, I'm okay with it. For a veteran minimum, why not? Did, your, did your you point... see his, his son was wearing a, a Lakers jersey? Oh, that's not subliminal at all. No, no. no. It's it's like it's like OBJ showing up to the Rams home game in uh, Rams colors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even though he's unsigned technically. Come back, OBJ, please. Um, yeah. Trade Westbrook for wings, but like chicken wings. <laughs> <laughs> I I just want to say, no. I, there's been a lot of comments in the chat about needing to get younger and get wings. It's like, where are they available? That's the only thing I, that I'm. I don't disagree. I'm just saying, like. That's the problem is everybody wants. That's why Boyan has so much value right now. Why teams are after him. Everybody wants wings. I knew like, for example, heading into the summer, Keith Smith and I were doing the front office show and his Celtics came up and I said, what is it? What are the Celtics targeting this summer? What do you think they need? He goes, I think they need wings. Great. Like, you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. No, I think we need more wings. We need more wing depth. Literally every team in the NBA is looking for wings. So the look, why do you think the Clippers were so excited that they got Robert Covington to sign a deal before he hit free agency to sign an, an extension? Why did they pay him a little bit more than the mid-level? Because they know how valuable wings are and how ravenous every team is to go get wings right now. It's so difficult to find these guys, which, circling back around, makes it that much more egregious that Stanley Johnson was in the deal to get Patrick Beverly. Yeah, see, that's what I was saying earlier, right? Like, yeah. it's like it's very counterintuitive to what the Lakers needed. And again, I, I hate giving the Clippers credit, but they read the market right, and they did the right thing by signing, you know, someone like Robert Covington, even training for someone like Norman Powell. Like, I, you know, good moves. They still never. We we assumed that they would replace Kyle Kuzma. They never did. Nope. Still haven't. Uh, Ronnie said, "Realistic over under for the regular season games played for LeBron." Is it 60, AD, 65, Patrick Beverly, 55? I Oh, I would take the over on Bev. I'd take the under on AD. LeBron's kind of the wild card here. I, I'm going to say over because if not for freak accidents, he would have played over 60 last season. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna take your, your job here. I'm going to be optimistic and say over on all three. Ooh. Yeah. AD has 66 games. Give me, give me. I I think, look, I, 
if we don't see prime AD this season, we're never seeing it again. This Ooh, is that's it. a hot take. This is this that. is it. He turns 30 in March. The Lakers are going to have some decisions to make if he's not the 1A guy that they thought he would be. He's had two seasons in a row that have been rough. He's dealt with a lot of injuries. Father time's not on his side at this point. Agree. This is it. It's this season. I, I don't disagree with that. No, I, I makes complete sense. I'm just saying, like, I there's going to be rest nights for him, and there's bound to be at least one or two nagging things that that keep him out. But you know, I would love to see him for 65 plus. That'd be awesome. That's that's yeah. I, well, obviously, we would love to see it, but will we? Well, we'll see. Uh, how many times per game are we going to hold our breath because Anthony Davis does something awkward and we? Uh, Fear injury. If this was a drinking game, I think I would have alcohol poisoning by halftime. Yeah, we would not make it through the game. By the way, again, from doing my my research on the Pacers and watching Pacers games and Miles Turner, same thing. I know he falls a lot too. I'm telling you, it's the gangly limb guys he, that every block shots. He does this thing too, where he goes to block a shot and he lands on one leg, and the other leg he kind of sticks one leg out, like almost like a hurdler or something. And he, mm -hmm. and he lands on what, and it just, it looks awkward and it just looks like he's going to snap, you know, like it, it doesn't look good. It's unnerving to, to watch when he's out there. And I don't know if it's, it's just the super long limbs, just you get the little Imperial Walker thing going on or something. I, I don't, I don't know exactly <laughs> what it is, but, but whatever it, it's unnerving when you're, when you're watching it. So if I think that there's massive defensive potential between Anthony Davis and, and Miles Turner, putting them together but our hearts are going to stop like six times every game. I agree. It's, it's, it's not going to be fun. Uh, do you like this team as is, to be honest, the super chat says uh, it's all right to be, to, it's not a, it's not a world beater. That's how I'll put it. I'm going to say, I, I I've said it. This team makes no sense. Sure. But no, I don't, I don't like this team as is. I like individually the players they targeted. I don't like this team with Russell Westbrook on the roster because you you've put together all these pieces that don't fit with Russell Westbrook on offense, which I understand. Like, why, why would you bend over backwards to build a team around Russ right now? You wouldn't, but you've got pieces that on paper anyway, on paper, depending on what, how Russ accepts his role and all that kind of stuff. But on paper, you've got guys who will not allow him to shine. Sure. Whatever degree he's able to do that to this point, you don't have guys that are going to allow him to be the best version of himself. Yeah, no, I, I, I can't really say I love the roster and, you know, I'm, I'm this maybe this optimism speaking, but I mean, I, I, I also don't like it as constructive, but I don't think they'll be as bad as, you know, last season, which again, I realize right. is a very low, low bar, but. Um, I, I like the young legs they've got on the roster. I think we're going to see more energy on a night in night out basis. And that, you know, I mean, that maybe that's a, we're looking for, for moral victories here already. But if I spend less post-game shows talking about energy and effort, I'll, that will be a welcome change. It's a very self-serving way to look at it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, speaking I, of young way. But just in terms of the fan experience, like oh, I, yeah, it, it yeah, wasn't yeah. just me seeing effort and energy. And I think that's, losses are going to be frustrated no matter what, but that's what really upset Lakers fans was seeing losses where you didn't where you felt like the team was getting outworked.
Sure. Yeah, that that's super annoying, especially when that's stuff you can control. Um, different when the other team's just clearly better than you and you're getting out, out outplayed and out executed. But if you're just beating yourself, then there's really no excuse for that. And then I was gonna say, you know, speaking about young legs and the Star Wars reference, AD AD. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta give um who is this user credit, but that that's awesome. <laughs> I got a good laugh out of that. Oh man. Uh oh, Sean Davis. Hey Sean, how are you doing? Said, hopefully less drop coverage next year. Why don't you just come on the show and say that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he likes to he likes to just throw in throw in his comments here. Um, he's he's probably I bet he's on spaces right now. That's you why. know what you're right. <laughs> Lakers do it best. Do you think the Lakers are trying to wait to make a big move for the following season? Thank you for being one of the inspirations for my channel. Oh well, well, thank you very much for for the kind words there. Um. Do you think the Lakers are just saying, let's, I almost, I hate putting it this way, but do you think the Lakers are at a point where they're saying, okay, we're going to punt the season and let's, let's make our big splash next summer. Um, If they don't trade Russell Westbrook. And again, I keep saying if they don't trade Russ, and it's not because I hate the guy. It's just, that's the only way they can make a move. If they don't trade Russ to improve this roster, then I think that's kind of the only way to look at this season. Like, there are a lot of smart people in that basketball organization there in, in, in Los Angeles, right? And they can't look at this roster and go, yeah, we can compete with it. There's no way. Darvin Ham says this, that the roster is is great. Like, look, he has to say that publicly, <laughs> though. Can you imagine your first-time head coach coming out and saying, yeah, we're not going to have to compete, but you know what? <laughs> Screw it. <laughs> like, he, there's no way he's going to say that. Well, we're going to give it our best, but let me tell you, this exactly. Doesn't, this doesn't make any sense. Um, like, um, imagine if you can get like you know every head coach or person, ex, ex, uh, NBA executive or personnel, like just like at a bar, <laughs> like okay. away from any media. Like, <laughs> the, the the public opinion and their opinion in private in that in that scenario are going to be vastly different. <laughs> Rob has been avoiding my calls. I don't know if that's a bad sign or. <laughs> <laughs> but I I do think that you know the Lakers have to conceivably think we have a better shot of improving our roster next season. But then I think the natural follow-up and I think everyone's asking or wondering about this is Kyrie Irving. And I think we've already talked about this a bunch, but like, do you buy into this idea that he would conceivably take a pay cut and, and come to LA next season? I mean, he could have done it this summer. It would have required him to sacrifice like 30 million. Is he going to sacrifice 12 or 13 or so next summer? Maybe. But like outside outside of Kyrie Irving, like what's your big move next offseason? You're like hoping that the Warriors can't pay Andrew Wiggins or you can go get like Harrison Barnes. Oh, I think those guys would be great fits, but that's 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 probably your big move for next. If it's not Kyrie, you're not getting Chris Middleton. I mean, your ideal, yeah, it would be Harrison Barnes or Andrew Wiggins. And see, like now, now you kind of have to tweet the definition of big move, quote unquote. <laughs> Patrick Beverly. Is that a big move? That's the that's apparently that's the Lakers' big move this summer. I was telling someone that, yeah, I was like, that's that Mark Mark and um and the crew were we were joking about it. He was like, yeah. So what do you think about the Lakers trading for a point guard this offseason? <laughs> and I said, yeah, that's the marquee move everyone was wondering about. Yeah, the point guard on an expiring deal that said he wanted to come play for the Lakers. That was that was big time going on <laughs> pushing those those chips into the middle there. Uh, Baba said Boyan and Clarkson for one first and Russ's salary. I think you still have to add 
another salary there. Oh, also add Vanderbilt into the deal instead of Mike Conley or Malik Beasley. Yes, do it. Yeah, yeah. that's that's fine with me. It's again like I think this is like the refrain, but if it takes two people to do a deal, if Utah is offering that or says yes to that, great. Yeah, I would I would pull the trigger on that if it's one first. Absolutely. Revisit the Wiz, Porzingis and Kuzma or Barton. I think Kuzma. Well, you know, he could. I think he's got a player option next year, uh, and one first. So Russ for Porzingis. And the prodigal son bring Kyle Kuzma back, and you got to give up a first. Or is he saying you would get a first because of Porzingis's contract? There's no way Porzingis I giving. Could you imagine going back to the Wizards and saying we gave you a first to get Russ? Now we're going to give you a first to take Russ. Man, that <laughs> double dipping on the same player. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Um. I mean, I, I kind of forget. I know Chris Tapps makes like 33 million this year, I think. I forget. But I, I forget how many years are left on his deal. Uh, let me see. I But my point being is that he, even with the extra year or two or whatever uh, KP has left, I, I think Russ is probably still perceived as the negative value contract versus him. Uh, Porzingis, 33.8 million this season, $36 million player option for next season. That's it. Yeah, I, I think if I'm... If I'm Washington, the leverage thing still stands. Like, I know you need these players more than we do. So, yeah. Dan says, why did they get rid of the 2018 squad? Especially Kuzma, Ingram, Josh Hart. They definitely should have never got rid of Caruso. Well, I'll agree on the last part, but the other guys, they wanted to win a championship. And they did. I mean, I think that's another thing you have to consider, too. Like, I've seen that sentiment floating around a lot. Like, why didn't the Lakers just groom their young guys? You would have had to pay all those guys. Yeah. And I don't know if you could have once you started stacking up all of those salaries. And like, let's say remove AD, you've got Kuzma, you've got Ingram, you've got Josh Hart, you've got Lonzo Ball, who's hurt. Are you winning that championship in 2020? No. There you go. There you go. I mean, like, and then like project even further, would you have won in 2021 or last season? Probably not. Yeah. I mean, you would have been certainly you would have been better last season. Sure, but like, what's 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 the end goal here? Right. Yeah. Do you how many championships do you ultimately win? And that's what the Lakers care about. Read an article floating AD for Smart and Brown. If this were to happen, imagine the defensive lineup potential despite losing front court talent. Honestly, I I, I brought this up earlier in the off season, but I said if there was an AD potential deal this would be like the framework for it. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what would the Celtics say no because of the injury history with AD? I think I think the Celtics are the ones that say honestly I think this is a, a scenario where both teams say no. Yeah. Who says no, Trevor? Actually, oh, this is gosh. No, 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 no. Remember how we said who says yes is probably the better question? Yeah. There you go. Who says yes here? I don't think the Lakers do. And I think the clutch sports connection is part of this here. Um, I don't think the Celtics say yes either. See, it's all the Celtics. Celtics the Celtics just got to the finals with Al Horford in the middle there for them. And, I, and maybe if Al Horford just looks like a shell of himself, but otherwise Al Horford and, and Robert Williams were getting the job done. Why are you giving up a wing plus 
you're the defensive player of the year to get a guy who can't stay on the floor. That's that's how I would see things from the Celtic side. I would too. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's the rare case where both sides say say no to that deal. Quinton said, maybe Shea, if he flat out says he wants out, Shea Gilders Alexander. He is going to cost so many things. He will. He will indeed. And he might ask out. That's possible because he's he's ready and the Thunder are not. But they're going to get a ton for him if he does. I was, um, I think I was listening to Bill Simmons podcast recently because they were doing like a 2018 redraft. Mm-hmm. And they had Shea like going third or fourth. Makes sense. Uh, the question that got posed was though is if Shea Gillis Alexander was on the market right now, does he get does he fetch you more first than DeJounte Murray or about the same? I would probably be willing to do more. So if if it's more, there's no way the Lakers can. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. I wouldn't expect I wouldn't expect the Lakers to be a, a suitor there. Yeah. Uh Reginald said do the indie deal. Heald led the NBA in three-point percentage. Uh, Turner lead the NBA, or would lead the NBA in three-point percentage. Turner led the NBA in blocks, both NBA proven. Yeah, that's okay. what you're getting. Three-point I shooting mean, blocks. There's no guarantee, though, like, you know, whatever the Lakers offer, Indiana's going to say yes. I think, you know, revisiting your Jake Fisher conversation, what was it last week? Like, it sounds like the asking price for Turner is still pretty high. Yeah. Yep. That's the and that's part of the problem. If the the Pacers see Turner as worth multiple picks by himself, how are you getting a deal done? Can't. Yeah. Like what happens if Indiana said it's gonna cost you two first and like a second? And those first have to be like one has to be unprotected, the other one's lightly protected. If Tice isn't in the deal, I could see giving on that. Um it's when you're the Lakers, though, too, you have to factor in like how well they've done with those second round picks. Sure. I think they need to value them a little bit more than most clubs do. Yeah, it's almost like the sorry, not to not to be a Rams homer here, but it's the same kind of deal, right? Like they give up first, but they have like these day two and three picks that they hit on regularly. Yeah. Like it's the same thing for the Lakers where they can find gems. That's right. Uh, let's see. It's a, oh, comment here says the Lakers paid Russ 44 million, but never gave him 44 million worth of usage. Let Russ run the offense without LeBron breathing down his neck. To be fair, the Lakers didn't offer him that deal, but I understand the sentiment. Sure. LeBron has tried for multiple seasons now to get someone to come in and run the offense for him. But I don't know if like characterizing LeBron as breathing down Russ's neck is really fair. Yeah, I think that's the pu- like that's a public perception, right? Because he just tends to take over the game like late, and it makes sense, right? Like, don't you want the ball in your best player's hands? Mm-hmm. So you know, from that perspective, and like we've seen active efforts from LeBron to defer like early in games for sure. Like, remember when we had Dennis Schroeder? Like, it was a lot of him in like the first halves, and then the second half it's LeBron. Yeah. Um, last season, I think they tried to do it, but it was you know, admittedly very clunky with Russ. But you could see it. So just I just pulled the stats here from cleaning the glass. Russ had a 30.4% usage rate. That's very high. Which which is high, which was in the 78th percentile at his position. And I think the only reason, and in the past, a 30 that 
usage. He had a 28% usage rate as a rookie, 30% his second year. He's been at 35 or 40% for a lot of his career. So it did drop a little bit. But like in 2008, a 28% in his rookie year, a 28% usage rate was in the 98th percentile at his position. So I think this is just reflective of you've got some more ball dominant point guards that are in the NBA right now. Like, mm-hmm. say, Trey Young, right? You've got some of these younger guards um, that are going to have the ball all the time. Sure, Luca. Uh, you've got Steph, right? You've got all these guys that are simply going to have the ball in their hands the whole time. Um, 30% usage rate is really high. 78th percentile relative to his position, I think, doesn't truly reflect how high that is. And I think it's just because right now in the NBA, we have a lot of ball-dominant point guards. Yeah, I mean, like, look, it's not like... <laughs> when we uh, say like LeBron breathing down, it's not like LeBron doesn't ever let Russ touch the ball. <laughs> no. Russ, Russ handles a lot. It's just, you know, like, and and you don't have all these low lights of him on, on the internet spreading around if he doesn't have the ball in his hands. Right. True. Yep. So, so push back on that a little bit. Uh, thoughts. Here's another question. Thoughts on the trade rumor on Twitter with the Suns, Aiton, Cam Johnson and AD. Like you said, that. Trev, we may not see a better prime AD after this season. I'll say if you don't get the prime AD this season, the Suns don't do this move next season. Who says yes? Uh, I would say if it was last season, the Suns say yes, because you'd be closer to a prime AD. If Anthony Davis looks really good this season, looks like his old self, the Suns say yes, and the Lakers would say no. If Anthony Davis continues to struggle with injuries, then flip that. I really think it depends on what AD looks like this season. I'll put it this way, and for anyone down on Anthony Davis, right? Um, if Anthony Davis got moved to the Suns, we would all be like losing our minds over it. In what way? Because of how good they would be. Because I oh, think there's, because yeah. I think there's a sentiment like AD is not good or overrated at this point, whatever you want to say about him. But mm-hmm. if you went to another team like the Suns, we would be like saying like, oh yeah, title contender, favorite. Sure. What's yeah? The the Lakers' best chance to win a championship would be to not do this trade. I agree, hundred percent. Because your ceiling with AD is higher than your ceiling with Aiden and Cam Johnson, and, and I like those guys a lot. Same. There's there's a reason they would have been in deals for Kevin Durant. Yeah, absolutely. Back to Nova. When I hear the plan for Russ for the season, I get depressed and think about what we lost getting him and what we lost for his presence. We lost so much for him to be hidden on offense and poor on defense. I mean, it's one of if not the worst trades in Lakers history. Yep. I'd say so. There's there's just there's no getting around it. Like it just it is. Like you you actively set yourself back by a lot. Both on the court, contractually, future flexibility, in just about every way. You actively diminished your franchise. This is like penance for the uh, Paul Gasol deal. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For getting pow for Kwame Brown and Javaris Crittenden? Is that what you mean? This is the basketball gods uh, <laughs> evening out the Laker karma here. 
I, I think this is for uh, for Anthony Davis shooting 150 percent on jumpers in the in the bubble. Sure. <laughs> I, I mean, I was just I was looking at it more from like an all star big man to big man yeah. comparison. But, yeah, that makes sure. a lot of sense, too. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, look, it, it hasn't been good. It has. It's frustrating. It hasn't been good. But at the same time, it's it's a sunk cost. It is what it is. What you have to do now is figure out what you do moving forward. What's the, what's done is done. And if you dwell too much on what you lost, then you can hinder your ability to to move forward. What a great relationship analogy. I wasn't even thinking relationships, but I was actually thinking betting. That was what was in, <laughs> in my head. <laughs> well, one of us is a degenerate. <laughs> I'm thinking gambling. Matt's thinking relationships. Uh, what's funny is that... Brand. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, dating is a gamble in its own in its own right. So, oh, there we go. Got him. Look at that, making connections. Uh, Yesin said, "If you could go back and get Kuzma, KCP, and Trez, and the first round pick we gave uh, became Desmond Bain. No, that was the first round pick they gave up for Schroeder. That's right. Uh, would you do it? Also, does this trade make us look better? like if you could flip Russ for that stuff? Yeah, you oh, do yeah, you do that in a second. I think that first we gave up for Russ became Isaiah Jackson, right?" I think you're right. That went to Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. I think you absolutely do that. 100%. Oh, this is interesting. Avi B said, Ainge's comments blasting players was unnecessary. He strung New York along, took a worse Cleveland deal. Trader Danny hates LA. He'll play dirty games with us. I'm assuming they're talking about that jazz article that came out today, right? Yeah. I don't yeah. remember. I don't recall. I got to the Lakers part of it and then it kind of spaced. No, not spaced out, but I focused on that. So I don't recall... What did he say about players that was so bad? I don't remember reading the whole thing. I just remember it was like a like just kind of some expert excerpts. It was kind of just like a blunt assessment of like where he okay. thinks the team is right now. Um, oh, 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 okay. I, I think I know what they're talking about. He was talking about how um, they just weren't getting it done in the playoffs. That individually they said they wanted to. I'm paraphrasing. Individually, they all said they wanted to get to that next level, but the chemistry just wasn't there, and and that sort of thing. Right. It, um, yeah. I'm not sure if that's what this comment's talking about, but that that was in the article, yeah. Yeah, so I that makes sense. I don't know that it was a worse Cleveland deal. I like the deal they got from the Jazz perspective. Um, I don't I don't know exactly what New York was offering. If it's possible that the deal was worse, but we don't know for sure exactly what the New York deal was. Uh, as far as Danny hating LA, I mean, they did just trade Patrick Beverly Lakers. Although you could also argue that what. How many other teams were knocking down the door to get Patrick Beverly? Would they have ultimately bought out Patrick Beverly? I don't, I don't know. Um, if Danny Ainge has a chance to screw over the Lakers, he's going to take it. Yeah, I think that's safe to say. Yeah, this is why you kind of hold firm a little bit if you're a Lakers fan, right? Because what's the market for Boyan Bogdanovich and the other veterans on that team? Like, mm -hmm. I can't imagine there's a lot of buzz right now, so um it's another staring contest that's probably another thing i need to mute on twitter after this by the way <laughs> staring contest yep <laughs> uh captain chevrolet championships are awesome but is it really worth burning down the next decade i'd rather be okay to decent for that time than have one great year and nine bad that this is this is the age-old question and i think it really just depends on your tolerance yeah would you rather be a five seed for a decade and never win or bottom of the table for nine years and win one. 
and win a championship. If I told you, well, I mean, like, <laughs> like I, I think like that ten-year stretch where you win one title and you absolutely suck for nine of the of like the other nine years is probably something I would wager most franchises would be okay with. If from an organizational perspective, from a financial perspective, what's better? Uh, financially, it makes more sense to be in the playoffs every year. That's what I was thinking. Financially, right. if that's what you're concerned with, being a five seed every year for a decade and never winning probably nets you more money than one championship and nine years of struggling to get people in the building because you're terrible. Right. And, you know, that's why the playing tournament was cool for those smaller market teams that needed that extra gate revenue, like, you know, Sacramento, Indiana, Charlotte, whatever. Like, um, there's a reason why teams value those those lower playoff positions more than other teams, because let's face it, like <laughs> uh, attendance and other things of that nature probably aren't great. So I do wonder with the Lakers, like the Clippers, they're front office has been doing some really good things. Yep. They're getting a new arena. I know we talked about this during the Lob City years. And it never really came to much of anything. The Clippers ratings never outdrew the Lakers. The Lakers were terrible. And it never really changed all that much. Sure. But I do wonder with now deep pockets with Balmer, who can spend whatever on anything, with a new arena, do the Lakers need to be more cognizant of staying relevant in light of that you know i'm sure it definitely plays a factor but i i i guess like from my perspective the brand with the lakers is so strong that you know mm -hmm. there's some competition from the Clippers side of things like it's not going to hurt them too much it's just going to be more amongst the fan perception i think but you know you think of the lakers as a global brand right like there, there aren't a lot of franchises that can say that very true. Very true. Yeah, there, there's not. The Lakers are um, recognized worldwide. I think they did drop on the latest Forbes list. I want to say they're 10th now in terms of sports franchise valuation. They were 7th, uh, I think it was last year. But that that's amongst like all sports, right? All sports. Yeah, not not NBA teams, all sports. Yeah. Um, so look, they are... I'm not saying the Lakers are suddenly going to become the Clippers or anything like that. Look, Paul George got booed like crazy and it was a Raiders and Chargers, Chargers game, game, which yeah. I mean, look, I would imagine that there's a lot of Lakers fans among the Chargers and Raiders fan bases, right? Because there's a lot of yeah. LA fans that are Raiders fans, right? So it's not like if it was if it was Rams and Patriots, Paul George probably isn't getting booed quite as heavily because you've got part of the building would be Patriots fans and they don't care to boo Paul George, right? I think everybody in the building is mostly a Lakers fan. If you're a Chargers fan, if you're a, a Raiders fan, that's a lot of Lakers fans in there that are booing, but, but that kind of stuff matters. I don't think that's going away anytime soon. I don't think the Clippers are suddenly like taking over LA or anything, but Same. if you're the Lakers, I think it's something that you still need to be aware of. And I'm not saying that it's something you need to be worried about, but I think it's something that should fuel you to push things further to maybe get outside your comfort zone a little bit more and do some things that are going to get you more on the cutting edge. Because I look at some of the things in terms of the cap. I look at some of the things in terms of moves that teams are making. Even small market teams, you look at some things that OKC has done. You look at, again, you look at what the Clippers have done. You look at a number of different teams. And I think, my God, what would the Lakers be if they were 
as savvy from a front office perspective as some of these other teams and you had all the advantages of being the Lakers of being in LA and, and all of that. Uh, you just made me really sad. Right? Yeah. Right. I, like, look, man, like, look, I, I think I made this point on the last show we did together. Like, look at like across the, across the freeways, like look at, look at like what the Rams are doing. Look at what the Dodgers are doing. Like perennial winners. That, that's what you would be looking at. Title contenders every year. That's yeah. what you would be looking at. Oh, somebody's upset with me. They said, Kawhi and George got booed at a Rams game, Trevor. Get your facts straight. I wasn't saying they don't get booed there. I'm saying the entire arena was booing because if it's Chargers versus Raiders, pretty much the entire arena is, La is Lakers fans because there's a big crossover between those fans. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying they wouldn't get booed at a Rams game. Well, it was also, it's also, you know, good for me to see him get booed at a Rams game, too, though. Just FYI. That's true. That's true. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, Patrick Beverly already said it, that it's different walking around L.A. when you're a Laker than when you were a Clipper. I guarantee you he has gotten asked for more pictures and autographs. Sure. <laughs> like Absolutely. It's astronomical. Like, I, I wish I did the whole, like, check his followers, like, on Twitter before and oh, after yeah. the trade. Yeah. So I think that's going to be a thing for a long time, but just you're the Lakers, you need to let <clears throat> this fuel you and drive you even further. I agree. Uh, <clears throat> Mikey, I've seen talk of Pat Bev's value being that he'll set the tone. If they need him for that, what does it say about the leadership of LA's three max guys? I've been hesitant on that because we were saying the exact same thing about Russ last year. Sure. And obviously him setting that tone didn't, even if Russ did, even if he did everything he possibly could. And I would say in general, Russ played pretty hard last year. Um, not all the time on the defensive end and, and things like that, but it, in general, he, he played hard. Um, I don't know if Patrick Beverly is going to set the tone or not. I think it takes guys being willing to listen. Uh, you can lead a horse to water, but can't make him drink, right? That that type of thing. You've got to have the right chemistry around that player that kind of lights that, that spark. But what does it say about the leadership of LA's three max guys? I don't know that it says a ton, I mean, I don't think you have to be the emotional raw, raw compass, guy. Yeah, yeah, of the locker room. If if you're the star, I mean, Kobe wasn't that, right? No, I, yeah. I mean, like go through like a lot of the best teams in the league, you'll find that their superstars aren't you know setting the tone, so to speak. Like, like right. look at the Warriors, right? Like you have Steph, you have Clay, but it's really Draymond that drives like the emotional, competitive edge, fiery kind of type. Right. I, I think, you know, if you want to look at Russ, like Patrick Beverly is that, I think that's totally fine. But to your point, it does require some buy-in and guys listening. So mm -hmm. we'll see. Yeah. And that's, and part of that is Darvin Ham. How much can he get guys to buy in and listen and, and all of that? Um, that's going to be a factor here as well. All right, let's do, let's do one more. Uh, if Russ plays good defense and shoots 35% from three, are you keeping him? No. So signing him to a new deal or just not trading him this season? Uh, I think if anything, that makes it easier to trade him this season. Yeah. Yeah, probably does. Sorry. Is that mean? No, I don't think so. And I, I think that because the reality is it's not like the Lake, if the Lakers have an, a trade in mind, like they don't have anything else to trade. I agree. Right. Like again, nothing against Russ. It's like, wh what are you going to realistically sign him for if he does this for one season for X amount of games? Exactly. Hey, okay, Trevor. I'm sorry. I have one last question before we get off. 
if I told you you could have Russell Westbrook next season for a veteran minimum, would you do that? And he like this post said, is he shooting thirty five percent from three and playing good defense? Sure. If he is, and he's willing to take on the role that Dar of being a role player, like Darvin Ham said, if he d makes his Dwight transition this year or his Carmelo Anthony transition this year to being not the star, sure. I don't. I need to see that first, though. <laughs> oh man, Chattery loved that question. That's awesome. Um, no, I mean, and then they're saying, and they're saying no, but I'm saying if you see him make that leap, like we would have said the same thing about some other players in the NBA prior to them making that transition into being a role player. If Russ is suddenly a role player and he's giving it everything on the defensive end and he's shooting well from the corners and you're winning games, then why not? It's funny you say that because I think it really just does depend on how well he plays. But I think yeah. anything close to what it was last season, it's a hard no for me. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You know, if, if it's Russ shooting pull-up jumpers in transition from 20 feet with 20 seconds left on the shot clock, if he's turning the ball over six times a game, if you're getting all of this stuff happening, teams are just ignoring him from behind the three-point line. If he cares about starting, cares about his minutes, cares about how many triple-doubles he puts up, then no, it's a no. I'm talking about a very different player in order to get to that point where you say yes. Okay. Yep. Nope. I'm I'm there with you. All right. <laughs> I think I think we could wrap things up there. We sound so negative. You know, I, I want to finish just by saying I want Russ to be successful. Same. I, I would love to see Russ successful. I made the bet with the chat last live show. I said, look, if Russell Westbrook, he finished the season, last 10 games of the season, shooting 41% from three. If he shoots 38% from three or better in the first 10 games, I will buy a Russell Westbrook jersey and I will wear it on this show. What? Think, you, 10 games? 10 games. I don't think what he did at the end of last season is sustainable. And I've seen Russ stands running around saying, well, look what he did the final 10 games. That's the Russ we're going to get. I hope it happens. I hope I have to buy that Russell Westbrook jersey because I, I love that storyline. I hope you had some stipulation about attempts and other things. I would assume he's playing the 10 games. It's not no, he no, steps no. onto the floor, shoots one three, and then gets hurt and is out the rest of, you know. Or plays 10 games, shoots five, hits two. Right. I don't think we're going to see that from Russ. I'm, uh, hey, man, I, I would love to be on the show if that happens. So <laughs> uh, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. If, if nothing else, it's something to keep an eye on for the first I'll, time. I'll, I'll dig up my old Steve Nash jersey and wear it with you. How about that? That that sounds good. I can uh, I can hang it up next to my uh, my Rondo jersey. All right, everybody. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. Again, make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel as well as the Lakers Nation podcast. Great way to help us out with our rankings over on Apple Podcast. Follow us there. Uh, give us that five-star rating and review. We really do appreciate that. Till next time, see ya. And stay safe. Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart.